Welcome back to the Customers Who Click podcast. It's time for episode 51. So if you've been listening for a while, please do get in touch on Twitter at Will Lawrenson. I'd love to hear what your favourite episodes have been so far. Um, This week, we've got another really interesting topic. We're going to be talking about B2C subscriptions and particularly how you can introduce them to your business without needing to go down the subscribe and save route. Despite subscriptions being basically everywhere right now, I don't think there's any reason to be worried about subscription fatigue. You know, if your product solves a problem for the customer and by having a subscription, their life is made easier, why would that be a problem for them? Anyway, before I go on too much, uh, here's Rachel Vaughan-Jones. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the podcast. Um, could you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about um, about what you do, your background and why you're doing what you do at the moment. Sure. Um, firstly, it's nice to be here, Will. Thanks for having me. Um, by day, I'm a marketing partner for Drinks SMEs. And by night, I'm founder of a soon-to-launch small batch whiskey called Jackson Jones. Um, I spent over a decade in-house at some of the world's like leading brands, and I first fell in love with the drinks industry during my time at Pernod Ricard. Um, and there I was kind of globally responsible for Ballantine's Prestige, which basically is anything from 17 years old all the way up to 40. It's basically the really, really delicious stuff. Um, and I had a big focus on lead Asian markets and global travel retail. But then I kind of was a bit fed up with sort of process and the politics and I just thought there must be better ways to do things so I moved over to the world of startups and joined Lucky Saint very early on in their journey developed their messaging their brand strategy uh, as well as those famous blue boxes and storybooks that everyone loves um, from their direct consumer Um, and then I stayed in-house with another beer startup building their direct consumer business pretty much from scratch And now I work kind of in a freelance capacity with a number of brilliant drink startups who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford like a marketing director um, in-house and always focusing on drinks. um, And I guess why I do what I do, I think drinks for me, I mean, anyone who works in the drinks industry will tell you that if it's the right place for you, once you're in, you'll never leave. Um, And for me, it was kind of, if you think about any social occasion, like any time you connect with another human, whether it's friends, family, colleagues outside of work, there's always a liquid at the heart of it. Like more often than not, there's a liquid. I mean, even, you know, now in COVID times, if people are going for a walk in the park with one other person, socially distanced, you still maybe will like grab a coffee. Um, What I do is usually related to booze or booze adjacent. um, But really it's that kind of, drinks at the heart of all human connections and all human kind of social moments. And that's that's the thing that really sort of um, drew me in and probably the reason why I'll, I'll never leave. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, drinks being at the kind of heart of everything, um, which kind of makes sense, you know. The amount of socialising when I was in-house uh, as well, you know, it was either you'd go down to the kind of chill-out area and have a coffee with someone. Yeah. Um or you'd, you'd grab a drink after work right? And have a and chat. It's, so. it's how you connect with other people. It's like, you want to go for a beer? Do you want to go for a glass of wine? Do you want to go for a coffee? Um, it's it's really sort of the conduit for social moments and occasions. And I think that's, that's pretty special. If you think of yourself as a brand owner, having your brand at the heart of everyone's social moment and the, the times that they remember and that are special to them, like it's pretty, it's pretty special thing to be a part of. Yeah, I suppose it's why in, in a lot of, ad, well, pretty much all uh, alcohol adverts, drinks-related adverts, 
uh, there's always groups of people uh, socializing, having fun. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is, is there's probably also a bit of responsibility there. They can't probably can't show someone just drinking on their own, but um, uh, but yeah, it's that social element. Um, so wh- where do um, where do subscriptions come into things? How do you how do you, have you got involved in that? I mean, I think the value, there's so much value to subscriptions. I mean, and when we talk about subscriptions, I'm talking obviously not just from a drinks perspective, but generally as a from a product perspective. So not kind of thinking about your Netflix or your Amazon Prime or those kind of subscriptions, but kind of product. Um, and I think there's just so many benefits, both from a brand perspective and also from a consumer perspective. From a brand perspective, you know, it's all the things that we know is more kind of secure stream of revenue. It's easier to forecast, you know, if you know that you've got sort of 200 subscribers who have a box of your canned wine that arrives every fortnight, that suddenly for your ops guys forecasting from both the budget and the kind of product perspective makes things a lot easier. Um, And then obviously things like increased LTV, um, that uh, and it really helps you to kind of build that that connection and then from a consumer perspective we're a species of habit right we've got really short attention spans and we're also obsessed with convenience amazon prime has meant that we expect everything to be delivered within 12 hours um but i think brands do need to make sure that what they're offering um, on their subscription service is actually what consumers want. Because otherwise, if you're not offering that and you've not kind of found that sweet spot, um, then you're just going to have really high churn and people are going to be cancelling their subscriptions. It, it will probably work for a lot of businesses, but you've also got to get your, your timing right and, and, uh, and pro- I guess, product quantities and things right. You know, it's if it's something that's going to take to, like, closer to two months to consume then it's pointless asking people to sign up for like a monthly subscription yeah and I think as well there's I think I heard someone else talking about this saying that there's um this idea almost of like subscription guilt um and when you've sort of subscribed to something and you know that you should be able to get through that product but you're not getting through it and you feel really guilty about it so you just kind of cancel the subscription to get rid of the shame of not being able to do it I mean a good example of that is the economist (laughs) like you subscribe to the common economist it's brilliant content but the chances of you getting through that cover to cover whilst also holding down a job and being a sociable person are pretty slim unless you read quicker than anyone I know um and then you find people they just sort of stack up and then they start to feel really guilty and instead of being able to sort of change the frequency of that delivery they'll just opt out and kind of cancel and run away and hide yeah that's a really good point actually um Obviously, it doesn't affect digital subscriptions so much because, you know, if you cancel Netflix because you, you know, if you were struggling to to take advantage of all the content and read all the shows that were on your wish list, you can't just uh, cancel your cancel your subscription, continue to, to consume the content until you're ready to move on to something new and then start again because Netflix doesn't work like that. But with The Economist, yeah. Is it weekly? monthly yeah weekly weekly yeah. and it's it's a pretty it's pretty intense there's a lot of information in that in those uh, magazines so that is a dense magazine i'm telling you i've never seen yeah. so many words <laughs> so um so yeah i can understand if you know i imagine a lot of people put aside some time to try and read it and if for some reason they don't get that time there's no other time out in the week for it unless they can find it somewhere else 
um, which means it probably slips by and then suddenly it's on their coffee table the next week when the next one turns up. Yeah. And, and they realise they haven't read it. Yeah. Before you know it, it's become kind of a mammoth task to get over. But also in terms of, you know, like a product, as, as we said, the timing, finding out the exact right perfect timing options frequency options for your customers is really important like if you're someone who subscribes to a protein powder for example and you're on a 30-day subscription frequency and you're not quite getting through it you're getting taking you like 40 days to get through and you're starting to feel the product pile up and pile up and if if that kind of um, brand doesn't offer you the option to slightly increase the number of days you're going to end up kind of opting out or pausing for too long um just because you're it's not quite the right frequency for for the amount of product that you're using i mean i've had exactly that situation it's actually protein powder Uh, i've not used it nearly as much as i thought i would and so every time i got the notification saying oh we're about to uh, send out your next delivery i log in and cancel it yeah. And so actually this is done through Amazon though. And what I've noticed with Amazon is I don't can I don't seem to be cancelling my subscription. I'm just cancelling that order. Which actually I in this case I wanted to cancel the subscription completely because I, I, I realized that just it was just the wrong thing for me. But I think I've cancelled it two or three times now. And it was only today that I thought, hang on, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I've asked them to cancel this. Um, but yeah, it, it literally just looks like I'm just cancelling that one order but the subscription is still live, which is quite, in a way, a good way of doing it because it solves that problem. It kind of forces the person to just skip a a month rather than cancelling and hoping they come back. Yeah, that's true. And another good kind of way of combating that is, particularly we see it in the drinks world, is, you know getting sort of 12 beers delivered to your door on a monthly basis is like definitely unmanageable amount of beer particularly in lockdown to get through in a month but with kind of different types of drinks people can become a bit fatigued with specific flavor um you know if it was a specific type of juice or smoothie or whatever and you think oh I've had this same flavor over and over again brands that offer the option to swap in and out different flavors or combinations really easily is another way to prevent consumers from cancelling because if you're kind of getting a bit fed up with having the same thing day in day out it could be even with your protein powder you always order vanilla but actually you're really tired of it if you've got a brand that makes it really easy to swap that to chocolate or strawberry or you know a different flavored tonic or a different flavored cocktail you're much more likely to do that and maintain your subscription than you are to just kind of cancel it because you're bored and you want to try something different from a different brand. Yeah, absolutely. One of the issues with subscriptions, I think that a lot of brands see is, uh, particularly with physical products, um, well, specifically with physical products, um, you can't it's, you can't really measure the engagement with the products itself because once you've sent it out, you've got no, no visibility on it. Um, you assume that it gets to the customer because if it doesn't, they'll probably complain. But you've got no idea how they actually interact with that product. And therefore, it can be quite difficult to kind of um, have those data points to help you uh, almost like, like not guess, but I guess guesstimate. You know, take an educated guess at when that person's going to churn and do something about it. And so a lot of businesses obviously focus on stopping you churning when you get to that point, when you when you log in and try to cancel your subscription, or they just try and win you back at a later date. 
are there any things you know do, do you think there's anything that brands can be doing are there any other indicators that they can use to to keep that engagement and and retain people and if they see those kind of numbers or that engagement or whatever it is dropping they can then act before that person actually gets to the point where they say no I'm fed up I am I'm going to cancel this yeah I mean data as you mentioned is is such a key factor in making a success out of something like a subscription service like having people who can really analyze the ins and outs um of you know how often people are ordering who kind of what was the frequency of people who were cancelling like all of the different data points that you can analyze that's a really important part but I also think you know don't underestimate the power of actually speaking to your consumers finding kind of a group of consumers asking them questions um, trying to figure out how they interact with the product how they were using it and I think particularly I mean I work with startups and I think one of the benefits that I always say to these guys is that you know utilize the fact that you are small enough to be able to build that kind of personal relationship with your consumers you know if all being well a few days years down the line it won't be possible to kind of know all of your customers almost as if you all live locally to one another take advantage now find out how they're interacting with it and learn as much as you possibly can in the early days and obviously as things grow and scale you'll you'll need to kind of um dig dig even deeper into into data but i think don't underestimate the power of just asking the question reach out to them. Um, you know, I launched a subscription service, which was more of a, a club for a brand and super easy. You had um, an email address, a couple of people would email and, and say that they wanted to cancel their subscription. And it was as easy as just replying to them and saying, you know, we're a small brand, we're starting out. We'd absolutely love to be able to be better for the next person who subscribes. Could you just let us know a bit of information about rationale and of your rationale for cancelling? And, and people more often than not are willing to come back to you with a few notes just saying, you know, I mean, part of it was seasonality, which obviously then you can factor that into your plan. Um, uh, some people saying, you know, it's too expensive and all these different factors that then you can start to compile to try and help to hone the proposition. So obviously understand that, you know, bigger brands on a much bigger scale are going to be more focused on data versus speaking to their consumers but you know if you're a startup brand kind of launching this kind of thing use the fact that that's an advantage you have over the big guys yeah yeah i mean i, th I think speaking to your customers is is always important um whether you're a subscription or not um i think and obviously this depends on the business maybe it wouldn't work for something like protein so much but i think there are plenty of subscriptions out there where you can ask people to rate the products and things. Um, you know, I, I, I guess it's not, it's only kind of a subscription, but I subscribe with Naked Wines. Yeah. And one thing they do is they ask me to rate every single wine that they send me. Now, I don't think they actually use this information in, in the way I'm thinking, but what I would probably be looking at is really pushing people to do that rating, make it so clear why it's important and then see if, if people start to not rate their wines so much or maybe take longer to rate their wines, that might be an indicator that people churn. And the yeah. same goes for other products. What, um, what else is there? Oh, it's, like HelloFresh. Yeah. If someone doesn't log in and, uh, and even look at the menu, because they, they might not change, change their selection, you know, they, they might be happy with the default selection, but if they don't even log in and check their menu, again, that might be an indi indication 
of, of churn because I know I know it happened to me. Um, tw- I think twice I got the email saying we're gonna, we're dispatching your your next recipe box today, and I'd completely forgotten about it. And it kind of annoyed me a bit that they that they've done that without even asking me about the men- the, the menu and stuff. Yeah, um, you're gonna so, end up with stuff you don't want. So yeah, so that annoyance kind of led to me churning. The fact that I got recipes that I didn't want led to me churning. But also the fact that I hadn't gone in, I hadn't proactively done it myself was because I'd kind of forgotten about it. I hadn't, yeah, just hadn't really thought about it. And I hadn't planned to have that meal box that week. So then I was forced to take a meal box that I didn't want. And it got into that situation you were talking about earlier where I've suddenly got another batch of the, of the subscription and now I'm feeling guilty about it because I'm, I've got too much that I don't really want to use and, and it's causing problems. So I think, Yeah, if, if they measured things like, you know, are people actually maybe opening the email with the menu in? Are they clicking through, logging in, checking the menu? You know, the, the less interaction they have with that may indicate churn. Yeah. And if someone hasn't logged in, then that's maybe a time to re-engage with them and make sure that, you know, everything is still as they expect. Because, you know, if you'd have received a note a few days prior to them saying that they were sending out your box just to say, hey, Will, do you want to check out the menu selection? You probably would have been like, oh, actually, you know what, I, I, I will. And then you would be happy about that delivery. But the fact that it's just sort of arrived and you're thinking, oh, God, I didn't want this. I just forgotten about it. Um kind of gives it leaves a bit of a bad brand taste in the mouth and I think this is another thing is that there have been a lot of bad actors out there for so long that there's a bit of uh, I think stigma occasionally for some consumers attached to an idea of subscription like you know back in the days when you'd be tied into something for 12 months and it was like more of a contract and it's you know most subscriptions nowadays are you can pause, you can cancel, you can switch anytime. Um, but there's still this kind of idea of subscriptions being quite um, restrictive. And I think one thing as well, kind of linking back to your HelloFresh point, was that a lot of subs- a lot of um, sort of SaaS subscriptions now will have, um, you know, like a month's free trial or two weeks free trial. And you have to enter your card details for when that free trial ends and it will automatically kick in. Um, to start your subscription and that's just really annoying how many times have you done that and you've had to go and put a note in your calendar saying remember to think about whether or not I still want that subscription and I understand why they do it but I think it it creates this idea of oh god you know subscriptions are here to catch us out and to sort of take our money when we when yeah we want them to I, I think with the with the SAS thing yeah I mean there's there's loads of arguments over whether you're better off taking card or not um I know that actually recently, I, I used to not care so much because um, back in the day when I worked, did a bit more work with SaaS, um, I, w- I was happy to check out a lot more tools. And so I would happily put my card in for the free trial, check it out. But what I would always do is cancel the account straight away. So at the end of the free trial, I lose access. Um, but you're savvy. That's the thing. You're, yeah, but, you're a savvy consumer. But um, re- more recently, there have been a couple of tools where I just haven't bothered. I haven't even got to the free trial because I didn't want to bother putting my credit card in. Yeah, It was just, even though I know that I can cancel it straight away, it was just that extra effort of having to actually get my card out, fill in the details, yeah. knowing that in two, like in a minute, I was just going to go in and cancel it. Yeah. It was forcing me to take that extra step. I do get the whole argument about, you know, 
we don't want you to lose access to your account. You know, you might lose data. You, you might lose progress on your account if your payment isn't taken or payment fails or whatever. Um, but that's also not a very good excuse. You know, the company doesn't have to wipe your account suddenly just because you've stopped paying. Um, they can just stop you logging in or depending on the tool, they can make changes. Yeah. You know, let's say it's um, a tool like Buffer for social media scheduling. They can let you log in. They can let you look at maybe some analytics and things, but you just can't actually schedule any posts until you until you start paying again. Um, but yeah, the, the worst is when uh, when people forget they haven't really used their free trial at all, and suddenly they get charged. Yeah. And what I found with sorry, and I'm, I know I keep going on, but uh, with a with a B two C subscription that I was involved in years ago, we, we tested all this out, and we found that. Uh, I can't remember if it was, I think it was three months after they started their trial. We had twice as many people paying and still paying if we uh, gave them the free trial without the credit card. Mm. Because the conversion rate to trial was lower with the credit card, but then it was much higher from trial to paid. But then the churn after month one and month two and month three uh, was a lot higher. Whereas people who then opted to put their card details in, they would actually stick with the business a lot yeah. longer. Yeah. So there's pros and cons to both. Um, do you think there are any maybe misconceptions around getting involved in subscriptions? I know we've talked about a few about um, like obviously the engagement and tracking and stuff, but from a business point of view, are there any reasons, potentially like wrong reasons maybe that people don't go down this route? I think from a brand perspective, there's probably two sides. I think, Maybe one barrier some brands think it's really difficult um, to implement subscription when, I mean, all you really need from a sort of technical perspective, all you need is a plugin, like a recharge or something, which anyone can do nowadays from your bedroom. I don't know why I took us to our bedroom. I think I got I got some nice new pyjamas for my birthday, so that's why I'm thinking of that. Um, <laughs> okay. And then on the other side, you know, I think brands can often just take like a standardized subscribe and save model which you know traditionally across definitely in drinks and generally like product businesses is free delivery 10% off plug it in leave it on the website and don't do anything else with it which I think is a real a real wasted opportunity I think subscription is massively a way to build a community and I think shifting shifting that kind of idea that it's just something that you put on there as available hopefully people will do it it's 10% off uh, why would they not do that we'll get a constant rev- revenue stream from them um you know thinking of it as a real tool for brand building and community building and really stretching out that LTV as far as possible uh, is the way that I think brands should be thinking of it it's obviously different depending on the product like if it's a I like to say like required to live or desired to live if it's a required to live potentially you know that's not as necessary if it's like a razor or you know consumable type things if it's a desired to live like a sort of premium beers or you know the kind of drinks that I work with then building that community is is through subscription is a real opportunity yeah going back to what you were saying at the start it, it has it's almost become a bit of a feature everyone a load of businesses just add subscribe and save to their website but have no real idea why yeah i guess i, th- I think that's probably what's happening 
Um, they're literally just seeing other businesses do it. Yeah, everyone else is thinking, doing it. This is the next big thing for e-commerce businesses. We're going to include subscribe and save and everyone will just subscribe. When actually, you know, you've got to have someone who's at the really high intent stage who probably knows they like the product or knows that they're going to buy it all the time anyway. And so straight away, we'll do the subscribe. But then you still have to educate the other customers. The, the ones who come in and do that first purchase as an individual purchase, you have, you have to persuade them and, and educate them around why subscription is a good idea. Otherwise, they either forget, which is what happened with me with, with one business, which is actually potentially leading me down the route of my own e-commerce business. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just kind of forgot to renew the product. But even if you, if they do remember, or if you do send them an email and they come back, they'll probably just buy one more. Like you know, no one's no one's putting that effort into actually market the uh, the subscribe and save. But you also mentioned communities there and brand building. Um, obviously, I'm not a big, I'm not a massive fan of discounting and things. Um, Same. Yeah, you know, I like I like to keep the value there. So, given the prevalence of subscribe and save. What do you think brands could be doing to to launch these new subscription models for their businesses, but without having to go down that route of, if you subscribe, we'll give you five or ten percent off each month or each order? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that needs to happen is this sort of mindset shift. So exactly as you say, think of it as you know, there's no discount. Um, we're not going to offer any discount. Obviously, you might you might need to in, in the grand scheme of things, but imagine that you are not going to offer any discount. What are all the things that you can do to add so much value to that person and opting in to receive a product on a regular basis at their chosen frequency versus just buying it one time? And thinking about it in those terms um, can kind of help people be a, a little bit more creative. So the first thing I say is like throw out of the door subscription, brand it, you know, simple thing i'm a brand and marketing person brand it it's not a subscription it's a club it's a community it's something that's related to your brand story um and your brand reason for being create even from the way that you position that subscription service as something to be a part of to bring someone into the brand from there, how do you add value? So instead of thinking of, I'm going to give you a cut of my revenue and give you a discount, I'm going to add value to you. So it can be as simple as, you know, behind the subscription wall, you've got a whole kind of Narnia of amazing content within the world of drinks. That's almost kind of, you know, the easiest place to do it. You can create amazing cocktail videos. So people are getting their getting their subscription delivered. We're going to show you the best way to use it, the best way to enjoy it. Um, you can use reward systems. Obviously, that's a slightly different kind of um, arm to thinking just about subscriptions. But there's a whole host of things that you can do to add value to that experience so that, one, you've got to get them through the door. But two is how do you make sure that there is no way they could possibly bear to leave you and leave that community, even if they're no longer interested in the product? And that obviously varies brand by brand, but it's about creating more of a brand experience than just thinking of this as, you know, it's a consistent kind of ongoing revenue stream from that person yeah absolutely i i really like that um so almost almost make it like a, a kind of a private members club which you get access to if you're a subscriber but you don't get access to if you only purchase uh only purchase you know the one-offs it's almost exactly. like you, you get a free you, yeah you get a free membership 
if you if you subscribe to the products and then you could build in loyalty and i actually just thought i just made a note to myself um you could potentially maybe only add people to the loyalty scheme if they subscribe but collect loyalty points for those who who do the individual purchases so i mean you've got to be careful with this i know people would miss i think make a mistake here the idea wouldn't be to say you've collected a thousand loyalty points but unfortunately you don't get the rewards because you're not in a membership so you need to subscribe to get access because that kind of feels like rubbing it in their face a little bit but you could just say you know we're still going to collect those loyalty points for you so that they're ready if you choose to subscribe as soon yeah. as you as soon as you subscribe you'll unlock these loyalty points and and immediately get access to rewards yeah it's a nice mechanism and i think it's just thinking about what's the best way to position that and kind of create that environment that relates best to your brand um but that sort of feeling of community behind the scenes access that you can't get without being a subscriber um can be really powerful and and otherwise it just feels like a, a lost um a lost opportunity yeah absolutely yeah and in terms of you sort of said something interesting there which was like rubbing people's faces in it but I'm a fan of sort of doing a little bit of the rubbing faces so <laughs> for example um I'm a big advocate of the email email marketing massively underrated um but you know having simply like segmenting your audience I mean to be honest should be segmenting it more than just kind of subscribers and non-subscribers but if that was your sort of um bare bones model for your database you know you've got your subscribers email you've got your non-subscribers at the bottom of every single non-subscribers email I want to be putting in there um you know this week, our subscribers got a masterclass with Mia, who's the best bartender in the world from Swift Cocktail Bar. Um, check out our yeah. subscription and have access next next time or whatever. Um, and I think there's, because often brands will be like, you know, well, we are creating all this amazing content and we're doing all this amazing community stuff and it's all behind the wall and it's only our subscribers that are seeing it. And it's like, well, that's the point but also there are ways to sort of leverage that and give sneak peeks peaks and give hints of that to people outside of the club so that you can encourage to bring them in if you know that your constant goal is always to be shifting people along that funnel into being subscribers then there's ways that you can kind of use that to your advantage yeah definitely and i think you know what we're talking about as well it's not a separate subscription or anything there's no additional cost literally yep. you're saying opt for the up to receive this on an ongoing basis, which you can opt out of at any time, for the same price as you're buying it anyway, you also get all this extra content. Yeah. Um, I know that's Jack's, I think it was Jack's Flight Club. Do you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't, it's a, like a travel, like flights newsletter. You get a deal, I think every day, sometimes multiple deals. Uh, really cheap flights around the world. The one I'm looking at is Colombia for like 400 quid. Nice. Which is, that's cheap. <laughs> that's very tempting. Um, but yeah, before I subscribed, I would get kind of a, a standard deal. Um, I think you get it a little later than subscribers as well. But also at the bottom, it would say, here are some of the other deals members got. And I, I can't remember exactly what it said. I think it might have just said the locations or something like that. But it kind of, without 
it wasn't really rubbing in your face. It was just, by the way, here's, here's just what you're missing out with the normal subscription. Here's what you could be getting access to. Yeah. Um, but I think in the, the example I was talking about with the loyalty points, I think I think there are marketers out there who would maybe accidentally phrase it in a way which kind of maybe annoys people a bit. Um, trying trying to push too much on the the fear of missing out and, yeah. and that and and that sort of thing and, and actually just annoying people. Yeah. Um, but I think there's loads to do there. I've got so many ideas now for this, this <laughs> e-commerce band I want to do. Um, um, yeah, and I think um, you know, community in terms of building a community. When I talk about sort of drinks, the the journey that I always want to take consumers on is no try by advocate. So I always hark on about this. Any brands that I work with will know that I'm always banging on about it. Obviously, no simple. How do you get people to first know about your brand? Try. How do you get them to taste it for the first time? Difficult with bars closed etc but try is a really key part by parting with your hard cash whether that's one time whether that's get that getting them into this club this subscription model and then the most important step is advocate like in drinks particularly and we all know the power of advocacy across the board in every vertical but advocacy in drinks is so powerful word of mouth having a recommendation of what you should be drinking what you should be trying in this industry is so important and obviously along that kind of journey uh, brands at different stages will put more resource time energy budget into different areas of the funnel depending on how you know where they are in their in their lifespan but this kind of subscription um this approach to subscription model is such a big opportunity to really hammer on that advocacy kind of part of that journey um constantly adding value constantly giving them more things to talk about more stories to share and making them really feel a part of something which you control as a brand like you control all of those comms and all of that experience so i think it's just a really powerful way you know people that are just plugging it in on their website and leaving it sort of to do its own thing just feels like um like a yeah as i said before really really big big opportunity missed yeah absolutely um have you got maybe a couple of tips on like the really important things people need to be doing if they want to go into subscriptions and also maybe a couple of the bigger or more common mistakes people make apart from obviously just throwing up subscribe and save my top tips so I mean we've talked about we've talked about the common mistakes let's knock that one away first you know we've talked about just setting up that plugin and leaving it no point to that drinks and also other areas mistakes not making it easy to switch out whether that's a flavor or a particular SKU or whatever it is not making it easy for them to change the makeup of whatever it is that they've subscribed to um is another mistake and and obviously it sounds really simple but you know ugly clunky portals um there are so many great systems now that make it really easy for consumers to have a beautifully branded portal that they can get into they can access their information they can update their details change their address change their payment card pause cancel change the frequency whatever that sort of i mean that's such a basic thing but you'd be surprised by how many brands like really get it wrong um and that's a nightmare for the consumer it looks really bad for the brand your churn rate is going to be higher and it's also a nightmare internally like having a system a subscription system that doesn't work easily and seamlessly for a consumer to manage themselves just means you're going to be hit with like loads of annoying emails of people having issues with it so i'd say probably 
those are like the top three things that I would say, like don't just plug it in and walk away from it. Make sure that you're being flexible. A really good example of that actually is Foga that I've just thought of. So Foga make sort of like freeze-dried powders of fruit and vegetables um, that you can put into a shaker and you shake it up with water or with milk and it's like three of your five a day or, or something. And they've got loads of different flavors. They come in sachets, they come through the door in a box that fits through the letterbox. And every single time you're due, whether you've got it on a one week, two week, whatever the frequency, you'll get an email a few days before it's due to ship and they'll say, here's the combination of flavors you've got in your box just click here to switch out the flavors or the combinations or the sort of proportions of each flavor. And you literally, you click, you go in and you can easily just like drag and drop the different flavors that you want. And then it arrives at your doorstep. So that's the kind of thing that it keeps you engaged. It keeps you kind of interacting and, you know, it means that you're way less likely to cancel that subscription. And you're, and, and I imagine that they've got pretty low, um, churn rates as a result of product issues um yeah i think i actually worked with a, with a brand for a little bit about a year ago who who didn't have that that set up really wasn't in place i think even they they had i think they had three different kind of recipe boxes basically but if you wanted to change them or i think if you wanted to change the frequency uh, initially you had to cancel you had to basically cancel and resubscribe oh. in order to do it. But then they managed to fix it from a consumer point of view and allow that edit in the account. But what they hadn't done or struggled to do was in the back end, it still worked as if that person had cancelled and, and resubscribed. Oh, so it meant that people were ending up with, um, you know, we'd have, there were multiple customers who looked like they'd cancelled and resubscribed five, six times. But actually all they were doing was changing to a month or skipping a month or switching to one of the different recipe boxes. Um, The things they wanted to do, but but yeah. And then that that caused loads of problems with the data in the CRM system because it it made segmenting a little bit more difficult because you didn't really know what these people were doing. Yeah, nightmare. And it's so easy to get right now. There are so many great options that you can just get off the shelf. kind of technical solutions off the shelf that can make things like that sort of really easy um so there's kind of no excuse for it these days um no not at all really Um, and then to go to things sort of advice again I think we've probably covered it I would say shift that mindset like think about you know assume that you assume that all your competitors are offering a subscription service firstly even if they're not in reality but assume everyone is doing it what can your brand what can you offer consumers to make them want to subscribe to your product versus anyone else what can you offer to make them want to have an ongoing relationship with you as a brand versus a one-time relationship versus a one-night stand should we call it and then think about how do you build out that community? Don't call it a subscription service, snore, make it a club, create something in your own brand image that feels like a community. Offer them rewards, things that will surprise them, things that will delight them. You know, that could be on, 
you know, their third delivery as a surprise, everyone gets like a personalized note um, with uh, an extra like accessory, or maybe it's a bottle opener, if it's a beer brand or something that's a complete surprise that they get, they take a picture, they post it on their Instagram, there's no way they're going to leave you for at least a couple of months, because they're so overjoyed with something that's just come as a complete surprise. And often, I think that's one thing is brands will list all the benefits and all the rewards. It's so tempting to get people to convert from one time purchase to a subscription is let's list absolutely everything that they're going to get and and i can see why people want to do that but if there are things that you can hold back in order to surprise people once they're subscribed like even better so i like um what you said just about uh don't call it a subscription call it a club because subscription is boring um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like having a newsletter on your website like join our newsletter no one cares no one wants to join a newsletter people want the information the benefit that they're going to get from that newsletter yeah and really that should be about brand building engagement and community yeah and it's a fine line between it's a fine line between calling these things something really on brand and interesting and different to what everyone else is doing but it also has to be something that is easily understandable what it is right because there's no point calling it like you know uh one-time purchase or willy wonka's chocolate factory like what is that i don't know what that is it's very difficult to understand so this it's kind of the fine line between making it interesting compelling ownable to the brand feel like a community but still making it like really clear that you're going to get a delivery of our product at your desired frequency delivered to your door and you're going to get all of these other amazing things yeah uh actually funny enough i was on a website this morning because um, I was doing some prospecting and uh, their loyalty scheme had a really weird name, which I didn't associate with the brand at all. And actually, when you first click the link to it on their website, you get a pop up, uh, which I think just asks you for your email address to join it. But it was written in a way that actually I had to Google the name of the loyalty program because I thought that might be the name of the loyalty provider. And I yeah. thought maybe they just hadn't implemented this pop-up correctly. Like that that's how weird a name it was. Yeah, fail. Um, minus 10 points. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was really strange. I didn't feel like it had anything to do with the brand, really. Um, but I also I think I know who actually uh, provides their loyalty program. Um it, yeah, it just um wasn't very good. Um you'll have to send I'm interested to see, you'll have to send that to me. We won't shame anyone on on the air, but sh- send it to me after because I'd be interested to see. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to see if I can find it again. Um, it shouldn't be too difficult, though. But um, but yeah, I'll uh, send it straight after this, actually. And then um, I guess the final thing is like thinking of thinking of your subscribers as having the potential to be your ultimate advocates. Like these are the people who have committed to having a regular drop of your brand, right? They've committed to that. So they're already soft and receptive. So once you've sort of got them into the subscription funnel, like how do you turn them into kind of your ultimate army of advocates who will tell, you know, their mum, their brother, their sister, their friend, the shopkeeper, whoever, about how amazing your brand is. So it's kind of thinking constantly about how do you shift people, um, towards advocacy and i think a subscription uh done really well is a perfect way to do that yeah um and actually uh yeah you mentioned assume that your your competitors have a subscription i think an interesting way of looking at it is assume you kind of you can assume that if they're not buying from you they are buying when they need it every time they need it from a competitor which in a sense is a subscription so what value can you provide to get them to kind of 
almost like cancel that subscription and move over to you. Yeah. And by doing so, you know, if your competitor doesn't have a subscription, but you've got this wonderful membership club that people can join, that might be enough for people to say, well, yeah, maybe, you know, if it's a similar price, the brand looks cool, product does what I want, but they're going to give me all this extra stuff. That's that's what I want. And then if there's loads of people talking about this, this uh, kind of members club, because they are ambassadors, because they, they've subscribed for months or even years, and they love all the extra content, they're going to talk about your brand. Yeah, exactly. Um, do, you, do you think, are there any trends coming in the way businesses are going to approach subscriptions? Uh, I suppose we've talked about that a bit with hopefully people moving towards clubs, and not, not subscribing safe. But I guess from a, maybe from a consumer point of view, actually, is there the risk that people are getting fed up with subscriptions or almost becoming like blind to them because they are just becoming everywhere now? Yeah, I mean, from a from a consumer's getting fed up perspective, I think definitely people are going to start to rationalise. I mean, outside of product, this is definitely going to happen with SaaS. Like after working from home, everyone has had to subscribe to like hundreds of different platforms, bits of software, etc. It's like pain, pain in the SaaS. Terrible. That's I literally had a birthday, turned 33, making terrible dad jokes. <laughs> um, but I think people are going to start to have to rationalise definitely there. And I think it's also going to happen with product. I think people who are claiming that, you know, the world's habits will all have changed forever post-COVID are wrong. I think some things will work, you know, some things will change working from home. You know, I've worked with brands before that were sending people to Asia, you know, it's going to Asia every six weeks, going to Scotland every other week, constantly traveling, like spending so much money on on travel, which yes, in lots of, in lots of situations, there's no uh, possible substitution for that face-to-face interaction that you have, particularly in the drinks industry, which is all about that kind of social interaction. But there's no way people are going to be traveling all over the place for business and spending all that money now that we know that we've successfully kind of got through a whole year communicating via these many different kind of platforms. So that things like that will change. But I think in the grand scheme of human habit shifting, like it hasn't actually been that long. So I, I don't think habits will change that much. And I think as a result of that, any sort of subscriptions, product subscriptions that people have taken on in order to make lockdown life easier, maybe I think actually a lot of drinks brands might suffer with quite a bit of churn once things open back up because everyone's going to want to be sociable. We're British, we want to get down the pub. Um, So I think that I think that will kind of happen um, and then it will be even more important for brands to have built these kind of communities and these models that are way more compelling than just dropping off product once a month to people's houses. Um, And then in terms of trends, I think there are a lot of great subscription boxes you know, it started out with beauty boxes. Birch Box was one of the first. There have been craft beer subscriptions for a really long time. Um, but now there are a lot of kind of cocktails. So I'm obviously always going to take things back to drinks. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of bar experiences at home, subscription services. So there's one that's about to launch that's worth checking out, which is like Bars by Canvas. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to create bar experience 
in your home. And that's not just dropping off cocktails at your door. Everyone's doing that. It's the whole experience. What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What's the kind of tableware? This whole kind of experience. And then you've got, you know, bars like Swift, Oriole and Nightjar who've come together uh, to create speakeasy cocktail subscription and they're delivering cocktails regularly uh, to people's doors as a as a pivot from you know people not being able to get into their into their bars um and also things like canned club so going outside of of brands specifically and creating kind of boxes where people can try lots of different products each month and test out different things which has has existed in in craft beer for quite some time but hasn't necessarily existed outside of that so i think those are probably the few things that i think we'll see more of and and will continue to kind of uh grow what what was that uh the bar experience one called bars by canvas bars by canvas i'm going to check that one out (laughs) yeah so just on the on the consumer thing i guess probably what we're going to see is people getting a bit a bit kind of blind to the subscribing side it's no longer a new thing everyone's doing it it's nothing special that makes someone go oh i can save five percent with this business if i subscribe it, it is going to be uh, you know if if you're presenting it as a real good value add um then it's just going to continue to work for you and if you're if your product's good if your website's good um and, and you're showing off the value people will subscribe um to get that added value yeah um, do, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing Oh, so many. Um, (laughs) I'll pick two um, in the interest of time. The first one is delivery notifications. Oh, my goodness. Particularly particularly in a year of like, it's been the year of getting to know your like delivery driver. Me and the DHL man, we are tight. Like (laughs) this is the year, you know, and it's, I was annoyed with it before, but it's kind of come to light even more that, you know, it, and I know why, because it costs extra as a brand when you use like a shipping company. It costs you extra to have your brand details inputted into the kind of automated emails that come saying your order has been dispatched. DHL has your parcel. DHL will deliver between 9 and 12 p.m. on this day. Your parcel has been delivered. Right. So it costs more money for brands to have personalized emails uh, rather than just the standard DHL ones. But, oh my God, just pay the money. I don't know what is coming. If I've got four deliveries coming, I don't know who it's coming from. Maybe I'm excited about one and not as excited about the other. How do I know which one to run downstairs for? How do I know which one to leave on the doorstep? It's just really annoying and like terrible brand experience, just terrible. And particularly now there are so many great solutions like sms like brand sms not an expensive solution really easy send me a text to my phone just saying like your beers are being dropped off today easy great experience that's number one (laughs) and number two is terrible unboxing experiences i'm gonna say still the brands that are sending out stuff with like loads of plastic i mean that's just just stop doing it um and just people not paying attention to that part of part of the experience we focus so much on all the stuff we've just talked about you know getting your subscription model right how do you build a community all the online stuff seamless conversions all of that we talk all about that spend all our time on that and then we just ship out a box (laughs) from the warehouse it's it's definitely one of those things that it's we've got the purchase call we're done that's less, that's the end of the experience. Yeah. Now we've just got to send that product out to that person and that's fine. But 
it makes such a massive difference when you receive something that's quite nice. Yeah, um, it really does. So I, I, I ordered a sample kit for from a competitor to the business that I want to start. And uh, it, when I first got it, I thought, all right, interesting. It's in a, a, a nicer cardboard box, kind of opened it up, and I could see that all these samples were, were positioned carefully and laid out. And I was like, that's quite nice. However, one thing I think they messed up on, it seemed like, and my, my assumption is, they realized that the box was too big for the samples and to keep them in place, they, it seemed like they just stuck some bubble wrap in there. Hmm. And it just, it seems so out of place and so weird. And that was the one thing I noticed and was like, oh, well, that kind of didn't ruin the experience, obviously. But you know, I noticed that it was a bad thing. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, you've got, you've got all this real estate to continue on the brand story and the brand message why aren't you using it yeah because it costs a little bit more it eats a little bit into your profit but in the grand scheme of things printing you know printing on the inside of your box or you know it's so worth it in the long run this is the main part of the consumer experience yes they've interacted online we've converted them whatever the funnel they've been through but them physically getting the product delivered to their door carrying it into their house taking it into their kitchen or wherever cutting it open interacting with the product that for them is the most personal part of that experience like it's worth the extra 20p to print on the inside of the box or however much it is, depending on economies of scale. It's worth thinking about how you can invest in simple things to make that experience kind of more of just that an experience. So those are my two things, like the de- delivery notifications that no one knows who they're coming from. And yeah, people pay attention to your the simple things that can make that unboxing just so much better. Yeah, I think, yeah, part of the unboxing thing is I, I imagine that, that cost and being able to measure the impact and people don't even really put any effort into it. So they think, well, what is the point in spending maybe an extra pound or two to not just do the printing, you know, that, that individually is quite cheap, but potentially spending maybe two more pounds per person for these products and not really having a clue what that's actually going to do. But I mean, it's, you know, I mean, two pounds obviously it's all relative depending on the cost of your product but you know obviously I'm biased because I, I I created it but the lucky saint one is an example where I, and I mean that wasn't I'll be honest that wasn't an easy sell it's, it wasn't an easy sell to build extra cost into that packaging it was no way near as expensive as you're talking about but it wasn't an easy sell but now you know you're saying it's not measurable those blue boxes for brown on the outside blue on the inside are iconic it's part of the brand dna and they're all over instagram as soon as anyone receives that box they open it they're surprised they're delighted they take a picture they send it to their friends they put it on instagram you may not be able to measure kind of you know in data terms the impact but that has kind of you know the the impact on the brand brand love brand awareness is is huge and and I think it's, you know, it's small, it's small tweaks. Another one is the the really nice pajamas I mentioned earlier um, from Desmond and Dempsey. You know, they've just got a sort of plain brown box on the outside. I mean, they've got beautiful secondary packaging inside, but brown box, you open the lid and they've just got two small little printed bits of black text. And it's like a quote from their grandfather Desmond and a quote from great uncle Dempsey or whoever, you know, fat sort of bit of a, an anecdote brand founder 
nuggets of information draws you in you spend a little bit of extra time appreciating it i took a photo of it and you know the cost of just printing bam two little bits of black copy is sorry it's not gonna it's, it's not gonna be a lot of money it's one-sided print bam i can tell you it's, it's not going to be expensive and the amount of extra experience that that adds to the consumer i think is almost like unquantifiable in a really positive way so I think there are ways of doing it. Not everyone has to go and get like beautifully made inserts and pack in loads of additional costs. There are ways to think about doing it that are on brand, but that can just add a little bit of something else for the consumer to experience. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think it's worth doing. I mean, I, I, I'm an advocate for it, um, but I can just see why uh, non-marketing people maybe just don't appreciate that. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just finally then, uh, do you, is there any other aspect of marketing that you feel is particularly underrated at the moment? Oh, email, email, email. Data yeah. capture, data capture, email, email. But do you think is email underrated or is it kind of misused? Because every, everyone does email. They don't. But know. That's people the <laughs> people complain and they don't do it well. So I don't think I don't think it's underrated. I think it's just kind of misused. I don't know. I think I think probably like if we talk very macro, it probably, you know, it's probably underused. But I lots of people I speak to in sort of drink startup world don't think of that as being like a, a great channel to be speaking to their consumers with. I think it is underrated in in this industry. Uh, OK, I, I'm thinking, yeah, I am thinking more e-commerce. Are a lot of these more, are they, are they FMCG? Is that what you consider drinks brands mainly? Obviously, yeah. non, non-direct consumer. I do, I do wonder if there's a bit, yeah, because I know people at, uh, I don't know if I should say the name actually, a, one of the biggest companies in the world. <laughs> and uh, and I know one of the guys on the, I think, I don't know, he, he doesn't lead the digital team, but he's he's quite big in there. Um, I think his one of his pain points is uh, people don't seem to care about email marketing that much whereas he sees it as this fantastic opportunity. And I think it's because people see it as, they normally see it as a channel that you generate sales from directly. Yeah. Which you can't do for FMCG because they don't sell it directly. Yeah. But they're not, yeah. So I guess from that point of view, I do I do see why you just say it's underrated, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd say. What about you? What's your most underrated aspect of marketing? It's just, it's, there's so many. <laughs> and it's really yeah it's really annoying in fact actually i was going to say um it's it's it must it's slightly concerning given that everyone who comes on this podcast well pretty much everyone who comes on this podcast is a marketer and everyone says they've got loads of pet peeves when it comes to marketing yeah so there's clearly something <laughs> clearly something <laughs> going wrong if all the marketers are saying there's so many things going wrong but underrated aspect of marketing i think it is that kind of that like community side the, the value add stuff that happens outside the purchase, not enough brands do it. Too many of them. It is just a case of we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to convince you to purchase. And once you purchase, we assume you're you're in you're in for life. Yeah. And and if you don't purchase again, we're just gonna send you an email and remind you to make that purchase. But it but they the consumer obviously doesn't see it as a reminder. The consumer's position is yeah you sold me a product once wow okay yeah so i think it's that kind of yeah treating customers as as if they are 
members for life just because they've made that one purchase. Yeah. Cool. Uh, really awesome stuff. I think, uh, yeah, there's some really valuable stuff for people considering doing subscriptions there. Um, so thank you for that. What's the, if people want to speak to you about that or, or find out more about what you do, what's, what's the best way of getting in touch? Find me on LinkedIn. I'm always on there, Rachel Vaughan Jones. Or if you want to find me on Instagram, it's at RVJ Drinks. Uh, yeah. And always happy to chat. Love chatting to people about this stuff. So do feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. If you focus on uh, making a subscription a core part of your business, you'll absolutely see success. You know, just remember at all times to be thinking about what the customer wants, what they might need to do or change. The easier you make everything for them, the more likely you are to retain your subscribers. But if they have to cancel in order to change a flavor or a size option or, you know, some other small detail, the chances of you getting that subscriber back are pretty slim. And the key to it all, value. If you can show the customer the value of your product, you're more likely to get a subscription. If they can see how it solves that pain point and they're, and they're willing to commit to purchase it, why would they need 5-10% off just to subscribe, especially if it's something that they would need on a regular basis? You know, and then if you continue to show value to your customers while they're a subscriber, you'll retain them. Don't just stick subscribe and save on your products because the regular subscriptions make it easier for you as a business. Do it because it makes sense to your customers. If you want to chat about subscriptions more, you can tweet me at Will Lawrenson or reach out to Rachel on LinkedIn. Any other you know, podcast comments, feedback, guest requests, just email will at customerswhoclick.com. Next up, I've got Juliana Jackson joining me and we're going to be talking about customer lifetime value. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.